This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by LightPoint Portfolio Solutions. Does your organization's retirement plan reflect your faith values? With 25 years of experience in biblically responsible investing, LightPoint Portfolios offers turnkey faith-based qualified retirement plans for businesses, nonprofits, and churches. LightPoint Portfolio seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Learn more at lightpointportfolios.com. If you don't know what something should cost, it's easy to overpay. That's especially true with life insurance. Hi, I'm Rob West. If you have loved ones who depend on your income, having the appropriate amount of life insurance is an essential part of your financial plan. Today, I'll tell you how to avoid paying too much for it. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, so first of all, you won't find the expression life insurance in God's Word. But the concept of needing to financially support your family is certainly clear. First uh, Timothy 5.8 reads, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So for the vast majority of us, life insurance is a must. Overpaying for it, though, is not. Let's start then with a question. How much should a 20-year policy providing 250000 in coverage for a 30-year-old cost per year? Well, a recent survey asked that question and found that most respondents, especially millennials, think the cost would be around $1,000 a year. But the actual price tag is only about $160 a year. That means a lot of folks are setting themselves up to overpay. Here's how to make sure you're not one of them. First, avoid choosing whole life over term insurance. Don't get caught up in the idea that your policy should have a cash value during your lifetime instead of what it will do for your family if you should die. Whole, permanent, or universal life insurance policies build a cash value that you can tap into for certain things while you're still alive. But that's very expensive money. You'll be far ahead if you invest the difference between a whole life and a term policy in your retirement account. Instead of getting snared by a policy's cash value, think instead about how much insurance you actually need to protect your loved ones, which is usually 10 to 15 times your annual salary. Then look for the least expensive term policy that provides that amount if you die during the policy's term. You also want to pay attention to costly add-ons, which the industry calls riders. While these can help you customize your policy to fit a specific need you might have, they can also run up the cost. You especially want to avoid something called a return of premium rider. Check that box on your application and the insurance provider will give you back all of the premiums you paid when the policy expires. If that sounds like a deal too good to be true, well, that's because it is. That one rider alone could double your premiums and keep you from getting the returns you'll realize if you invest the difference instead. So you want to stay away from anything that promises to repay your premiums. 
Another rider to watch out for is accidental death. It raises the death benefit if death results from an accident, but the restrictions as to what type of accident and under what circumstances it applies to severely limit its usefulness. Plus, if you take out enough coverage to begin with, you really don't need an accidental death rider. Now, another way you can overpay for life insurance is when the provider doesn't require you to have a medical exam. These are called guaranteed issue policies. Most companies for most policies will require you to get a checkup and have blood work done. Of course, sometimes a policy that doesn't require a medical exam is just what the doctor ordered, pun intended. For example, if you have a pre-existing condition that makes it impossible to get a standard policy. But keep in mind that you'll almost certainly have higher premiums and less coverage with a guaranteed issue policy. You also want to avoid something called an ART policy. That's A-R-T, an acronym for Annual Renewable Term. Uh, At first glance, these look very attractive because the premiums start out low. You're guaranteed coverage for the life of the term, but each year you have to renew the policy and each year your premiums increase. It won't happen right away, but at some point, you'll be paying more than you would for a standard policy. So again, go with a simple term policy that has level premiums throughout its entire term. All right, so I've shared some ideas on the way to get the best price on life insurance, but perhaps the last way, and maybe the biggest, isn't so obvious. It's to act while you're still young. Make sure you buy a policy right now if you can, and get it for as long as you can, as long as it fits into your budget. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance, where biblical wisdom meets today's financial decisions. Let's go right back to the phones, 800-525-7000, Midway, Florida. Hello, Alonzo. How can I help you, sir? Good afternoon. I thank you for taking my call, and I thank God for you and this radio station for helping people like me. Um, My question is, I... um, about five years ago, God blessed me and my wife to build a brand new home. And um, and after we um, built this home, uh, you know, of course, we had to furnish, furnish it. 
Yeah. So I end up getting myself in a lot of debt, you know, every like every credit card came through the mail. I accepted it and wanted it so I can get things into the home and um, do things with and, you know, and as well as uh, loans. So now I'm head and heels with credit card debts and loans. And I don't have a savings account where with all of this debt, uh, I had to take a part-time job. Yeah. And I'm seems like I'm not making no leeway of trying to pay off all these credit cards and these loans. And I don't have any way of saving any money. Uh, and I'm getting ready to hopefully retire uh, either at three years at 62 or 65. Uh, so I just need to know uh, what is it better for me to try to pay these credit cards off myself or get credit counselor and also, when I pay a credit card off, do I need to close it? Because I don't want to use these credit cards no more. I'm afraid if I have them, I will still be exposed to them and use them. So yeah. Um, yeah. can yeah. you help me out with that? I can, Alonzo. And, and I appreciate your transparency and can certainly understand the situation that you're in. You know, I think the first thing is really to make sure that you have a proper biblical view of money and understand this is God's money and you're the steward of it, just like I am of what God has entrusted to me. And we're all going to make mistakes along the way. And that's why uh, Jesus came <laughs> to redeem uh, that and to uh, uh, you know die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. We can lay all of those mistakes at the foot of the cross, but we do need to purpose ourselves to really move forward uh, we've got a plan to to allocate our money that's in line with God's heart for where we're headed as a couple and as a family, that, um, you know, our spending is reined in so we can live within our means and give generously. And I realize that may seem far from where you are today, but I think having that vision of where you're going is really key. Once you do that and you have that budget in place and you've, you and your wife have committed to stick through to that, then clearly we want to get this debt paid off as quickly as you can. Um, let's talk about how to do that. Uh, let me ask you first, though, if you just pay the minimums on all these credit cards, do you have anything at all left over at the end of the month? I have a little bit. Uh, my wife is good on her on her part, uh, but on my end, I'm the one who got myself in this pickle. Yes. Um, and so, so yes. um, probably after I finish paying all of my bills, my tires, and everything, I may have seventy, eighty dollars left uh, after paying all of my minimum. Uh, I try to pay like 5 or $10 more than my minimum when yeah. I'm paying my credit cards. Very good. Uh, in terms of the best way to approach this debt, I'm going to encourage you to look first to credit counseling. Uh, it will accomplish two things, both of which you mentioned. One is you're concerned that if these cards are still available, that they may get used for something that's kind of outside of the plan that you've established for your monthly spending. Um, credit counseling is going to require that all these accounts get closed 
foreclosed on the front end. Uh, so as soon as they go into credit counseling, they can no longer be used. I think that's a good thing. The second thing is the interest rates will be reduced significantly for most, if not all of them. And you'll have one level monthly payment that uh, you'll work through with your credit counselor and they'll make sure that that fits into your budget. And because that payment is level, it doesn't go down as the balances go down. That combined with these lower interest rates for these accounts that are in credit counseling should allow you to pay this off on average 80% faster. Uh, So I think this is the right approach. It doesn't factor into the credit score, although it will likely be noted on your credit report, but that's the least of my concerns right now. I want you and your bride to get out of debt once and for all and never find yourself in this position again. Uh, My friends at ChristianCreditCounselors.org, Alonzo, would be delighted to help you. Uh, These are wonderful believers. Uh, This is their ministry, in addition to the fact that they've helped literally thousands and thousands of Christians just like you get out of debt. So let's start there. Visit them today, ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Set up a uh, free appointment just to walk through all of this, and let's see if that isn't the very best way for you to get this 22000 knocked off. And then when it's, it's gone, give me a call back and let's celebrate together. Alonzo, we appreciate your call today. All right, we're going to head back to the phones today. Vicki is in Youngstown, Ohio, WCRF. Hi, Vicki. How can I help you? Hi. Yes. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just started a new job and I wanted to start out right and wanted to have a budget and wanted my first fruits to go to the Lord. And in terms of the tithe, I didn't know if 10% tithe could be like divided up 5% to the local church and the other 5% to the money that I saved to go on foreign missions trips, if that was okay to do since it's all going to God, or should I still make sure to do that first 10% 10% to the local church, and then above that would be to save permissions. Yeah. Well, it's a great question, Vicki. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's really between you and the Lord. Uh, you know, Pastor J.D. Greer, um, who you hear on uh, this radio station at Summit Church in North Carolina, calls giving to the local church God's plan A. You know, that was the local church was God's design for carrying the gospel to the world and for believers coming together and then going out to share the love of Christ. And, uh, you know, I think giving a tithe, which by definition means a tenth to the local church systematically based on our increase is a great beginning point for our giving. And clearly we're to be about funding the work of the local church where God has planted us. Now, whether you decide to kind of back that down and split that, uh, I mean, I realize these are all good things. We don't want to get legalistic about it. This is not the Old Testament law. Jesus came and we now have the law of Christ. And so we should give generously. We should give as a reflection of gratitude for what he's done for us on the cross. I think it's an act of worship and it should be, I think, systematic, but then beyond that, sacrificial and even spontaneous. Now, how you order that in your own finances, I think is something you just ought to think and pray through about. But for me, I would affirm the idea that you'd give systematically a tenth to the local church as a beginning point, and then you give sacrificially beyond that. But again, uh, I think as you pray and think through that, if uh, you feel led to do something different than that, uh, the Lord knows your heart. And ultimately, you know, I think it's a matter of us giving cheerfully uh, to Him 
uh, as opposed to trying to check a box and, you know, do something out of compulsion, because certainly the the Lord doesn't want that. Uh, You know, so often when we give to the local church, that should include missions, because, you know, one of the functions of the church is uh, to have, you know, missions activities, both locally and even beyond that. But I realize there may be a specific trip or something that you're working toward for you or your family, and, you know, there's uh, competing priorities all over the place. So I think just as a simple approach, I would say give a tenth to the church and then give beyond that uh, for other things, including what the Lord may lay on your heart even spontaneously. Um, But at the end of the day, I would just kind of pray through it, decide uh, where the Lord is leading, and then operate out of that conviction. We've got a lot more still to come here on Faith and Finance, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. 45,000. That's how many times Faith and Finance referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking on the Find a CKA button on the homepage. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We've got a number of phone lines available for you right now at 800-525-7000. Meanwhile, let's head right back to the phones and to Texas. Hi, Charlie. How can I help you, sir? Hello there. Thank you so much for taking the call, Mr. West. Um, I have a Happy property up for sale that we currently live in. It's valued about 600000 We want to buy a house between two fifty and three hundred. dollars how should we take care of the rest of the money? Yeah, very good. Uh, talk to me about where you're at, Charlie. Are you in the retirement season? Or are you still working? I'm 61 and disabled, so I'm not working anymore. My wife still works. Okay. We All have right. no debt. Okay, very good. And is your wife's income what you're using to fund your lifestyle, your monthly expenses, or do you have other income sources? Well, I have disability. Sure. So I'm lost about a thousand. Okay, and the combination of those two covers your lifestyle. Uh, What about assets that you might have uh, in retirement? So let's say she stops working at some point in the next, you know, several years. Uh, At that point, uh, are you all funding retirement accounts at her uh, place of business, or what other assets? She has a four hundred one k. She has a four hundred one k. All right. And what's roughly in that? Oh, probably about 120. Okay. Um, And, you know, if you were to look then at other assets that you have apart from you downsizing and then having these funds available, is there anything else that could be income generating at that point? Not that I'm aware of. All of our cars are older and paid for. 
Okay. So basically, we need to take this roughly 350000 that you'd have left over after the sale of the home, plus whatever her hundred and something thousand and her 401k grows to uh, during right. the rest of her working career and turn that into the income that you all would need to live on alongside your disability? Correct. Okay. I think the key right now would be for you to look, Charlie, at uh, investing this money in a way that's going to have some potential for appreciation beyond what you'd get in a straight income-based portfolio where you're focused on, you know, bond-type fixed income investments. Um, And even though I think we're in for some choppier markets, you know, in the next couple of years, just given how far we've come and some of the headwinds we have, notably inflation and, uh, you know, the prospects of uh, tax increases, some of those types of things, um, you know, I still think, you know, having exposure to the stock market, both U.S. and international, with a broad diversified portfolio for at least a portion of those funds is going to give you, you know, over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And if the Lord tarries and you all are in good health, that's how long we need this money to last. That's going to give you some growth to the portfolio. And even if we got into a recession, you wouldn't touch that portion. You'd just, you know, it would go down and then you'd let it recover. And, uh, you know, historically speaking, that's going to be the best place to build wealth over time. But then the rest of the portfolio would be anchored by fixed income type investments, either dividend paying stocks or preferred stocks or, uh, you know, bonds, that type of thing. And as interest rates head up, um, you know, the bond prices will fall, but over time you should be able to capture a bit more yield. To put all of that together, I would encourage you to connect with an advisor, a professional investment advisor who could understand your goals and objectives, help you plan for the immediate, but then also looking out toward when you're both fully retired. Um, and put an investment strategy together and deploy that on your behalf. Uh, do you have an advisor that you've worked with in that capacity? No, but I'd like to have it be faith-based for sure. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, I would recommend you connect with a certified kingdom advisor. These are men and women who have significant experience as investment and financial planning professionals. They've met uh, real strict character and integrity uh, requirements. They've also been especially trained to apply a biblical worldview to financial decision-making. It's a designation that's uh, recognized throughout the industry, and it's our trusted designation for uh, those who need professional financial advice. So what I would do is head over to our website, moneywise.org. You'll see a button that says Find a CKA, and that stands for Certified Kingdom Advisor. I'd interview at least two or three. Um, They don't work for us. They have their own businesses, which means they have their own fee schedules and approaches. They've just met high standards that gives us the confidence that there's somebody you should talk to. Uh, Find the one that's the right fit, and um, I think that will be the best approach for you moving forward to be able to preserve what you have and also grow it so it's there for your future. Does that all make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. I have one more quick question. Yes, sir. Am I going to have to pay taxes on this sale if I buy another house? Uh, So this is your primary residence that you're selling? It's my only house, yes. Okay. So yeah, if you you would have, as a married couple, if you've lived there two out of the last five years, which you have, you would have up to a half a million dollars in gain in profit that would be excluded without any kind of uh, capital gains. Awesome. All right. 
<laughs> well, listen, we appreciate your call today. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you in the days ahead, sir. And uh, we'll uh, hope to talk to you again real soon. Uh, let's head next to Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, Diane. How can I assist you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. I have an offbeat question. Um, I, like a bunch of other people, the Powerball is over $600 million. I bought a ticket. But if you are a Christian, it's a two-part question. Number one, should you even be playing the lottery? And number two, if you did win, what would you do with it? I mean, what would your first step be to protecting it? Yeah. So, so to answer your first question is no, I wouldn't be playing the lottery. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't call gambling a sin, but the Gospel of John makes a point to tell us that the Roman soldiers cast lots to see who would get Jesus' tunic, and that doesn't present a good image of gambling. I also think as stewards of God's money, we should not be uh, taking a get-rich-quick approach, which clearly is what uh, the lottery is. Uh, we should be doing what the Bible says says about uh, steady plotting, uh, which I think is more of a, a sure and steady approach with proper diversification like we read around uh, about in Ecclesiastes. So I just don't see as a steward of God's money, as God's money manager, how we can in good faith uh, take that kind of uh, risk with his money. So I would just stay out. I wouldn't participate in any way, shape, or form. Now, if somebody gave you a lottery ticket for your birthday and you won, well, I'd say a, uh, look at it as an opportunity to give generously. Perhaps uh, get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I think it could be a great opportunity to redirect that money into the kingdom uh, at that point. But for all intents and purposes, I'd pass, Diane. We appreciate you checking with us. Though. May the Lord bless you. Well, folks, uh, we are about out of time today, but we appreciate so much all of your calls. You know, here's what we want to do each day on this broadcast. We want to understand God's heart as it relates to our money, because we know there's 2,300 verses in God's Word that deal with money and possessions. And the reason for that is because there's so much to say about our money and our hearts and ultimately our walk with the Lord. Would you come back and join us tomorrow? We'll be here for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.